From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. So a few weeks ago, we brought you an episode looking at how state tax agencies are handling digital assets. And while it may seem like all of Washington has ground to a halt in search of a new Speaker of the House, there's actually a surprising amount of activity on this issue here as well. Two senators, Democrat Kirsten Gillibrand of New York and Republican Cynthia Lummis of Wyoming, have a bill that would address numerous tax issues related to crypto, and there are some indications it's gathering steam behind the scenes on Capitol Hill. Meanwhile, the Treasury Department is putting forth its own regulations on the same topic, with a public hearing scheduled for them later next month. We wanted to learn more about both of these efforts, so we called Lisa Zarlenga, a partner at the firm Steptoe & Johnson, who leads its digital asset tax group, and a former Department of Treasury staffer. Lisa spoke to Bloomberg Tax and Accounting reporter Samantha Handler about why the crypto community is eager for more regulations when it comes to tax, but maybe not eager for these specific regulations. But first, Lisa talks about all the open questions Treasury and lawmakers on Capitol Hill need to answer. There's a lot of open questions that I think would be helpful to have Congress weigh in on. You know, we've seen probably the most comprehensive bill that's been introduced is the the Lummis-Gillibrand digital asset bill. It addresses pretty much all the issues that were raised in a joint committee on taxation report that identifies uh, various uncertainties in the tax treatment of digital assets. Although the IRS indicated back in 2014 that digital assets should be treated as property for tax purposes, it was never clear what kind of property. Um, and some of these tax regimes, specialized tax regimes, hinge on you know, whether something's a security, whether something's a commodity, whether something's some other type of financial asset. Um, so there's a lot of stuff in the bill that would provide a lot of welcome clarity in the digital asset taxation space. So, yeah. So then, uh, you know, how does industry feel about the bill? Is it, you know, would those be welcome changes? For the most part, yes. Most of the provisions are taxpayer favorable and provide welcome clarity to allow people who deal in digital assets to be afforded the same treatment as other kind of financial assets. You know, I would say that the the wash sale rule is is probably the only one that's not a welcome addition. And I say this because it um, it could have much broader impact in the digital asset world than it does in the securities world. You know, for example, I know there are um, digital asset investors who you know sell their digital assets at year end to recognize a loss and then reacquire that digital asset shortly thereafter, so they don't actually change their um, investment position. You know, for the same reasons that wash sale rules apply to securities, they should probably apply to those types of transactions. But people who are active in the digital asset space need to um, acquire a native token to participate in in most DeFi platforms. And so if you're using Ether or Bitcoin to trade into these these platforms, you're going to be constantly disposing of um, Bitcoin or Ether and probably reacquiring it within a short period of time. Therefore, triggering these rules unintentionally. And if Congress doesn't address those issues this year, um, is that a problem for the industry? Is there a need for clarity on some of these questions? Um, Well, there's obviously a need for clarity, but, you know, tax practitioners have been working in this space so far without any particular guidance. Many of, much of the advice that we give to clients involves trying to analogize things in the, you know, to the sort of financial service or financial asset space. So taxpayers are basically taking positions now as to whether 
um, Bitcoin or Ether constitutes a commodity under the definitions of the existing rules, um, for example, to, to apply those rules. So I think, you know, until we actually get some clarity in the area, um, you know, we're just going to operate on the, on the status quo, which, which ends up kind of being a, a patchwork of different positions taken by different taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you see enough compromise or consensus, consensus among uh, lawmakers on these issues. I know uh, Patrick McHenry, who's currently serving as the Speaker Pro Tem, has a, a bill that's similar to the Lummis Gillibrand bill, right? Um, there is a tax bill that McHenry has introduced that would uh, narrow the definition of broker for purposes of the of the broker reporting provision that was enacted in the infra- in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act in 2021. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, turning to the broker rule, how, how would that definition that McHenry's proposed changed, you know, what's currently the standard? So the current definition of broker, as amended by the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, um, is any person who, for consideration, is responsible for regularly providing any service, effectuating transfers of digital assets on behalf of another person. Um, there was some concern when this was first enacted, um, or actually before, this was on floor consideration in the Senate, that that language might unwittingly incorporate like validators, miners and stakers who are validating transactions for the blockchain, uh, wallet providers, programmers and the like, um, because they would be providing an, a service effectuating transfers of digital assets. The McHenry bill and, and I believe the Lumis Gillibrand bill also uh, adopts this would narrow the definition to more closely associate with a traditional broker um, so that they're actually, you know, effectuating transfers of digital assets on behalf of a customer instead of this amorphous language about providing any service. So Treasury has recently proposed regulations on this issue, and some lawmakers have started to criticize Treasury for not going far enough, as they say, on these uh, regulations. Do you foresee any possible changes to the rules? Um, I think we will see changes to the rules, probably not wholesale changes, but some changes around the edges and some limitations. Um, I think it's difficult to say that the regulations don't go far enough. Uh, Most of what I'm hearing from clients and other practitioners um, is that the proposed regulations could result in billions of of 1099s. um, And in some cases, the 1099s will be duplicative of other 1099s received by the same taxpayer, primarily because of the definitions adopted in the proposed regulations are very broad in terms of both defining digital asset and uh, digital asset middleman, uh, which is the term that's coined by the proposed regulations to incorporate digital asset brokers. Uh, Can you give me an example? Um, Yeah. So let's start with the definition of digital assets, which essentially includes any digital asset, including stable coins that are backed by fiat currency and uh, non-fungible tokens or NFTs. In the context of NFTs, you could have uh, NFTs that are required to be reported by brokers, even if they represent something that wouldn't normally be subject to information reporting. You know, for example, if you have an NFT that represents an event ticket, all of a sudden that now becomes reported by your broker, whereas regular event tickets would not be. There are many circumstances, I think, in which this could result in duplicative or, or multiple reporting. For example, the customer that purchases a good from a merchant that accepts cryptocurrency, um, and then the customer uses their Coinbase wallet to make the purchase, 
and the merchant uses BitPay to process uh, their cryptocurrency transactions. In that case, uh, both Coinbase and BitPay potentially have to report the transactions to the customer. Interesting. So do you think those types of situations are something that will be hashed out at, say, the public hearing in November? Yeah, I, I think probably so. And I think you'll get a lot of written comments addressing this. Um, you know, and you might ask, well, why is duplicative reporting a concern? You know, isn't it, you know, isn't it better to ensure that the taxpayer gets the information that they need to fill out their tax returns and the government gets the information it needs to ensure tax compliance? But the problem with duplicative reporting is that it actually creates a burden for taxpayers. Um, you know, generally, if you receive a 1099B from your stockbroker, you might just take those transactions and um, put them on your tax return. If a taxpayer does that with multiple 1099 digital asset or DAs, they could be overpaying their taxes in that case. And then if the taxpayer actually studies all the 1099s and tries to reconcile them and, and reports only one of the transactions, then the taxpayer may receive an automated notice from the IRS basically saying that their tax return doesn't match the 1099. And that's all sort of automated by the IRS system, which takes all the 1099s and matches them to the tax return. And then the taxpayer, even though they're correct and they've only reported the, the transaction once, will still have to explain to the IRS, you know, how they got to that amount and that they eliminated duplicate transactions. And these regulations are not scheduled to go into effect until 2026, just two years later than Congress intended. And Treasury was already a little slow to come out with these regulations or with this proposal. Uh, does that delay give more time to adjust to these rules? So, so the effective date of the proposed regulations or for bulk of the proposed regulations is actually 2025. Um, brokers are going to have to start collecting most of the information in 2025 even though the 1099s aren't going to be filed until 2026. But I think the thing to keep in mind is that the time for brokers to program their systems and implement the reporting rules really runs from the time the final regulations are issued. Um, I'm not aware of anyone who would spend the money to program their systems until they have a final set of rules um, to program in. So I think the short answer is that, you know, brokers haven't really been given an extra two years to adjust to the rules because they're still waiting on the rules. So a group of uh, Senate Democrats uh, recently sent a letter saying that, you know, these rules should be pushed up, that, you know, it's it's past the time that Congress intended uh, for them to go into effect. So from what you're saying, it sounds like it would be extremely difficult, if not almost impossible, uh, for this state to be moved up. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there is, you know, obviously the government wants to get these implemented as quickly as possible, but I think they do recognize that taxpayers need time to program their systems to collect the right information. Otherwise, they're going to end up with, you know, a bunch of kind of slopped together 1099s that don't really reflect correct information. And anything else on these uh, proposed regulations that you're you're watching over the next few months? So, yeah, interestingly, I checked the regulations.gov this morning. And there were over 1,700 comments already filed on these regulations. Um, and I know of many other people working on comments before the October 30 deadline. And in fact, I understand that a lot of these comments were generated by an AI platform um, to create comments to, to respond to these regulations, which creates kind of an interesting dilemma um, for the government because obviously they want to get these implemented as quickly as possible. But they're required by law to go through all the comments. And so the more comments that are filed, the longer it's going to take 
um, to get the the regulations finalized. It remains to be seen where we'll end up. I think 1,700 is doable, but I suspect we'll end up with far more comments. Yeah, that's that's a lot of comments. Yeah. Um, and then I, I wanted to turn to the, the Senate Finance Committee for a bit. Uh, earlier this fall, they issued a request for information on the taxation of digital assets. I was wondering if any of those questions they were asking stood out to you. Yeah, I think what stood out to me was that the questions were almost exactly what was included in the Loomis Gillibrand bill and in the Joint Committee on Taxation report. So it seems to me that at least Congress seems to be coalescing around these particular issues to provide legislation on at least in the near term. Mm -hmm. And is that something you would like to see, you know, a more comprehensive tax package focused on digital assets? Yes. And I and I think I would underscore your use of comprehensive. Um, You know, we have we have heard of bills that are looking for revenue raisers and maybe grabbing on to the um, the wash sale provision as a revenue raiser without all of the other uh, provisions that go along with it. I would be a little bit concerned about adopting these tax provisions in a piecemeal manner because they uh, they sort of do work together. Um, you know, for example, to the extent you have mark-to-market tax accounting, um, the wash sale provisions don't apply. And so, I, you know, like I said, these are all integrated and I think should be enacted as a package. Yes, the wash sale rule, I think, estimates maybe billions in revenue uh, and senators have been fighting over that for, for a pay for for other bills. Exactly. And I, and I actually think that, Loomis, that, you know, that Senators Loomis and Gillibrand have been trying to protect it as part of their package and not let it be used as a, as a separate revenue raiser. But um, I'm not sure how, how much power they'll have to, to protect it in the end. They have. Senator uh, Lummis told me, it was a few months ago, that she was against it being used for a wildlife bill uh, because she wanted it specifically for, for crypto. Yeah, and it seems completely unrelated to anything in a wildlife bill, right? That was Lisa Zarlenga, a tax partner at the firm Steptoe & Johnson, speaking with Samantha Handler. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz. Naomi Jagoda is our editor from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. On Uncommon Law, we've covered a lot of topics. Non-compete clauses, affirmative action, the trial of Derek Chauvin, the bar exam, and who could forget... The business of bees. I also remember the bees. But there's one thing we've never talked about. Haunted houses. In honor of Halloween, we present to you a very scary episode of Uncommon Law. So turn off the lights and prepare to be terrified by the justice system. And hey, maybe even learn a little something along the way. I'm your host, Matthew Schwartz, and this is Uncommon Law, Halloween edition. Ooh. Coming soon from Bloomberg Industry Group.